0: Good evening. Okay. Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavad Sandarbha. Anucheta 47. And just when you think you've seen the longest Anacheda, you come to this one. This is in the middle of the Bhagawat Sandarbha. We're not even halfway through. We're almost there. This particular Anacheda is close to a hundred pages of the book. Oh my god. <laughs> And it's in more sections than any other Anucheta we've come across yet. So, and here again, it's just because the author, the presenter of this English translation has taken the time to break down the Anuchetas into digestible sections. So this one is extremely long. You have to understand when Jeeva Goswami writes an Anucheta, it's dealing with one specific subject matter of tattva and then he's supporting that so this one Anucheta is dealing specifically with understanding the Lord's manifestations when he his different forms and how they how they are manifest both in the spiritual and the material world so we're going to start this evening Anucheta 47, Part 1, and we'll go through this in the next, I forget how many, but I think it's eight parts. So it's quite an Anucheta. So this whole 47th Anucheta, the uh, description, his name, form, actions, and attributes are transcendental. So the Sambandha, having established that Bhagavan's forms, unlimited forms, are not material, we now will discuss how other features related to him are simultaneously not material. Jiva Goswami is going to go to great lengths to convince us beyond any shadow of a doubt that nothing about the Supreme Lord is material. And as I said in the last discussion, we would have a tendency to say... I get the point. I get it. I understand. God's not material. Well, Jeeves thinks a little bit differently. You may think you understand he's not material, but let's just go over every way our materialistic conditioning can come into our method of thinking of transcendence and what about this doubt? What about, I mean, so he's everything that we can't think of that's going through, that could be going through our mind, he's going to address those things, even the ones that we haven't thought of yet. <laughs> and that's that's an amazing thing. Although the Lord's names can be vibrated on the tongue, his form can be seen by his devotees and although he engages in actions like protecting his devotees. His name, form, and actions are not material. So Jiva's going to now make the point that everything about Bhagavan, there's nothing nothing material about it. And he's going to be begin by deeply explaining one verse from the Bhagavatam spoken by Gajendra, which seems to indicate... In the way that Gajendra presented it, that he understands that the Lord's form is not material. But then, there's certain aspects of it that make me think. I mean, there is one could look at it as uh, as being material. The sloka itself is really divided into two parts, and the first part. Navigate Yasya Janma Karma chitva, Nanama Rupe Gunadosa eva va. Bhagavan has no birth, action, name, form, virtues or vices. However, for the purpose of creating and destroying this material world, he accepts these Perpetually, by his internal potency. It's from the eighth canto, third chapter. And we've used G- Jiva's used Gajendra before, so we know how he how he came to using how we how in the Bhagavatam it's presented that he presented his prayers to the Supreme Lord. He was in a predicament, and he cried out for the supreme but he didn't make his prayers for assistance because he couldn't shake off the crocodile himself he asked for help but he wasn't specific he could have been calling anybody anybody out there please get this crocodile off my leg eventually who came was lord vishnu himself narayan on the back of his uh, Carrier uh, Garuda, and it's explained in the by the commentators that in making an appeal for help, Gajendra's non-specificity didn't even attract the attention of any material god because they they know what their name is and they know what their qualities are, so if they're not specifically named or the specific manifestation of their material opulences or position is not addressed in a prayer why would they come they just it's like if you need a policeman you call out for a policeman so no one's called for a policeman here i'm a policeman Maybe there's a fire. So, I know the the one that's making an appeal isn't saying fire, fire, but I know he's not calling for me because of the non-specificity, but the fact that he needed help and the way the appeal was made, Vishnu himself came. So this particular part of his prayers navigate yashchcha janma karma va gunadosa eva va bhagavan has no birth no action no name form virtues or vices however for the purpose of creating and destroying this material world he accepts these perpetually by his internal potency there's so much in this verse that we can misunderstand. And that's why Jiva uses it. There's so much we could get wrong in just looking at this verse. So what to speak of how much we could get wrong in trying to understand the nature of Bhagavan. Because just reading a verse from Shastra, he has no birth, but there, then again it appears that he took birth. No action, no name. Jiva goes forward. The meaning of the verse is as follows. He's not referring to Sri Swami's commentary, so this is his commentary on the verse. A change of state is called a transformation. Vikara. In the body, the first such transformation is called birth, janma. The effort of an incomplete person makes I'm sorry, the effort an incomplete person makes to compensate for what is lacking is called action. What we don't have we want. In order to get it we perform some action, right? We're incomplete, we want something. We want to eat. So okay. we have to perform some action. We're feeling incomplete, there's some hunger. or a hundred different other things besides eating, sleeping, mating, defending, wanting a new car, a new house, wanting wanting to be a professor, wanting to be the best musician. Where does it end? We have to, in order to make ourself complete, do something. That's called action. Karma. So we engage in karma. The verbal symbol used to designate objects perceptible to the mind is called a name, Nama. We'll go into this in detail. The verbal symbol used to designate objects perceptible to the mind is called a name. So we're going to go into what does that mean, technically. Without a name, you can't put any value to an object. An object is just there. But when I say a pillow on the sofa, then all of a sudden, well, that's something. I can lean against it. It's going to make me comfortable. It's soft and squishy. All these things come to mind just from the name. You don't even have to see the thing. I just need to say pillow and your mind automatically... Attributes all this stuff. So that's what's being talked about here. The property of an object that is perceived by the eyes is called form or color, color rupa. The specific characteristics that grants eminence to an object and which springs from the material gunas, like sattva, is called quality, guna. These definitions are applicable in the world born of material nature. So this is the first thing Jiva is doing. He's saying, okay, in this verse, Gajendra, in his prayers, has used these things as things that Bhagavan does not have. All right, let's talk about this in detail. What does Gajendra mean? He doesn't have them. But then in the second half of the verse, he takes them on in order for creation and dissolution. Wow, he left one of them out, didn't he? Was that purposely? So, yeah, it was. So, wow, what a verse. Here's an elephant. You know, and he's talking high philosophy and he knows enough to know that Vish, vishnu who maintains is different from who creates and destroys but if vishnu didn't empower creation and destruction there would be none now we're going to get walked through these one by one the, the specific terms that are used so what are the terms The verse says, Janma, Karma, Nama, Rupa, Guna Dosa. Material Guna Dosa. It has two meanings in the verse, but we'll get to that. Birth. So every mortal body goes through six types of Vikara. Beginning with birth, Janma. Six transformations, Vikara. And they are birth, sustenance. Once you come into being, you exist. You grow, you age, you dwindle, you die. Upon death, the senses and the mind remain. So death's not the end. How do we know this? Krishna says so in the Bhagavad Gita. When the master of the body, the self, leaves it to take another, he carries the senses and the mind just as the air carries aroma. The self, the essence, the soul, leaves a material body and carries with it the senses and the mind just as the air carries an aroma. The eyes, ears, nose, etc. are just res- respective seats for the senses. We need to see the material body. You think the ear is hearing. The ear is really this, It's the seat for the capacity to hear. So the senses themselves are subtle and... Beyond our sense perception. The senses themselves. The actual sense. Karma. So, you've expanded a little bit. Karma. Well, let's look at, you know, Janma. I'm sorry, Janma. Let's look at it a little bit in in relationship to the whole thing. Birth. Sustenance. Growth. Growing older, dwindling, dying. Coming to action. Karma. So the Lord has no... So the Lord, looking at these in relationship to the Lord, the first one, Janma, the Lord never leaves his body. He doesn't... There's no change of body. Therefore, he does not take birth. So Gajendra's first point has been made. Yes, we understand the Lord doesn't change his form karma the lord has no material desire for f- to fulfill he doesn't need to acquire anything he he's self satisfied he doesn't need to eat he doesn't need to mate he doesn't need to he doesn't need anything it's all his and he's everywhere all the time he doesn't need to go anywhere He doesn't, he hasn't come from someplace else to come here, you know, he's already here, he's, you know, he's self-satisfied. For us, karma is a little different. Karma is in uh, three types, nitya, namitika, and kamya. So when we look at karma, how do we engage in actions? We engage in actions... And some of that engagement is what? It's Nitya Karma. Duties you have to perform just to avoid the reaction of life. The reactions of doing things. So we perform different daily duties, actions in order to avoid sin or suffering reaction. That's called Nitya Karma, like chanting Gayatri, for those that are in the higher classes. Because you are continually, in material existence, performing actions that result in sin. So when we do Nitya Karma, or regulated spiritual activity under scriptural injunction, that, that eliminates that. That's included, for the Bhakta, that's included in his routine. He doesn't go out and perform karmas so much, like regular fire sacrifices to to make up for the fact that every time you cook, you kill. Just going into the kitchen and cutting up the vegetables, how many living entities are dying. When you turn on the flame, living entities are dying. So... No matter, when you grind in the, you grind up the spices, living entities die. And you're in the kitchen breathing, and you're killing somebody. So, I mean, your, your material existence is nothing but one sin after another. Nitya karma, regulated spiritual actions, eliminates the the reaction to just living. Then we have Naimittika karma. Irregular duties for special occasions. Sometimes there's like a solar eclipse. There's a lot of bad stuff headed your way if because of this action. It's not every day but it happens once in a while. So, you perform a specific karma or action. Understand, when we talk about karma here, we're not talking about just karma in the world. You know, That's not the way civilized human beings conduct their lives. Hum- civilized human beings are always looking out for their best interest under superior direction. So therefore they perform Nitya Karma. They perform Nimitika Karma. Because there's a solar eclipse coming, you may have to have a sacrifice so that you don't suffer and your stars don't get all out of whack because the sun went behind or whatever. You know, these things are heavy. The Bhaktas, whatever. We don't care, you know, if Krishna wants, you know, but these things do have an effect. And, you know, even the bhaktas, they make a show of following these prescribed sacrifices and, and just for the benefit of humanity. They have no interest in it themselves. Kamya are specific... Karma, and I think you could look at it mostly karma conda, that you perform in order to get something you want. Now, this is different than karma where you just go out and you write a check for a new car. No, these are specific karmic actions done under scriptural regulation or brahminical advice to get something that you desire that's out of the ordinary like you want to have a son and not a daughter so you do a you you have to pay dues for that there's a cost of getting the son you have to hire a brahmin priest you have to invite him into your house you have to invite his friends you have to invite your friends. You have to put on a big party. Everybody has to be sumptuously fed and the gods have to be fed through the fire of sacrifice. And then, and only then, will you get your son. And even if you do all that right, sometimes it comes out wrong. Like in the case of was it chitra Ketu I can't remember yes, so who was who won it was Chitraketu, yes, chitra. he did everything right that's a different story that's this is a long anno so well but you understand the, if you remember that. He wanted a son, so much so that he couldn't even hear spiritual knowledge from his guru. That's all he could hear. How do I get a son? What about just forgetting family life? I want a son. What are you telling me? Forget family life. (laughs) You're my family priest. I invite you to your home. I tell you I want a son. Please help me. You know, get what I want. So that's this kind of karma. Kamya. K A M Y A. Kamya karma. Arjuna, in the three worlds, I have no duties. Karma, to execute. I have nothing unattained to achieve, yet I'm ever engaged in action. Krishna from the Bhagavad Gita. He has no karma. We, we have karma. We engage in activities. To eliminate sin, we engage activities so that unfortunate events can be avoided, like the reactions of a solar eclipse, or to attain something. Name. He said the Lord has no name. So in the material world, every object or phenomena has a name. It differentiates one object from another. That's a pillow and then you may have a blanket. So there's a pillow and a blanket. They're two different things. So we conceptu- it also helps us conceptualize an object or a phenomena. It differentiates one thing from another and it helps us have some conceptualization that it's soft, it's squishy, it's comfortable, you can put your head on at night. The mind and the senses perceive objects either directly or indirectly. So when we say the senses or the mind applicable to names, we're referring to the fact that I don't have to have a pillow in front of me to to explain it to you. I can even explain something to you that you're not familiar with if I have enough other names and other objects that can give you a conception of the item. So that's name. The, the Lord is beyond the senses and the mind. He has no name. So good gender's is right there. Nameless. Form, Rupa, everything that we see, that we perceive, it has attributes of form and color. Now, of course, we also have in our experience formless things, like air. We can't see it. So the Lord's beyond the scope. The Lord is also invisible, just like air. Kajendra saying the Lord's formless, in the sense of an object that we are accustomed to. Gunas, distinctiveness. So the gunas of material nature determine a distinctiveness of an object. And the Lord, of course, is transcend- trans- transcendental to gunas. When we say d- distinctiveness, it could be in any any different number of ways. Like there's a distinct- distinctiveness between the smell of a flower and the smell of stool. So these come different modes of material nature. The modes, the influence. So the Lord is always in his serup. Therefore he's never born. The Lord's incomplete. is, Is complete in himself. So he has no need for action. The Lord can't be perceived by the mind and senses so therefore he has no name the Lord is self-luminous he's not dependent on material form so now we come to the second half of the verse the second half of the verse states that the Lord accepts name form action everything that we just said he isn't, he accepts for the purpose of creation and destruction. This is a reference to his Guna avatars, Brahma and Shiva, respectively. The Lord accepts these things, these material things, through his Guna avatars who are in charge of creation and destruction. So he accepts the material aspect. But then, there's another way of looking at this when it comes to the Lord. So the actual verse, so now we're going to get, this is the second line of the verse. ap destruction, and Sambhava, creation. So those are the first two things that Gajendra is saying the Lord accepts. He accepts Apya and Swabava. So he accepts creation and destruction. Swamaya tan Yanakulam Richiti. Gajendra, as I said, he doesn't mention maintenance because Vishnu is not limited by Maya in any way. Even though he does regulate sattva it's not the same as the creation, the actions of creation and destruction. So Jiva goes on to explain the second half of the verse. The words sambhava, creation, and apyaya, destruction, can also refer, this is the second meaning, these can also refer to protecting the devotees and destroying the asuras. Then they can be applicable. So the verse can be looked at two ways. It can be looked at as referring to Krishna's Guna avatars, or it can be looked at as referring to the Lord himself, but only in the context that he protects his devotees, and he destroys the Asuras. Although Bhagavan is free from birth, karma, and so on, by his internal potency, he accepts them for this purpose. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. I'll give you some Praman, I'll give you some evidence. He says it himself. Although I am never born, and though my body never perishes... And though I am the controller of all living beings, situated in my own nature, I appear by my own will. And again in the Bhagavad Gita he says, I appear in every Yuga to protect the sages and destroy the rogues, and to establish order in society. He never says I accept material gunas for creation, and destruction there's a condition and the condition that he speaks of in the Gita is I appear by my own will and I appear for my devotees these birth name etc do not exist in one Bhagavad who is always situated in his own nature who is complete imperceptible even by the mind self-luminous and beyond material nature. Nevertheless, he accepts them, richity. This verse is to be read together with the one that follows, my obeisances are unto him. So now we go a little deeper into these words using other evidences. So Gajendra said, the Lord accepts creation and destruction. He does that by swamayaya, by my maya. That's the word Gajendra uses and Jiva says and that swamayaya means my swarup shakti. I accept these things in relationship to my loving relationship with my devotees. I appear to take birth, I appear to perform actions, I appear to have a form. I do have them, but they're of my own nature, they're not like, so Gajendra's is not wrong in saying that I don't take birth, that I don't have a form, a name or whatever. I do not have any of those things in relationship with material nature. And if you think I do, because of of the nature of things, in material nature, you think there is a creator. Well, it has to be me. Well, actually, there is a creator, but it's a Guna avatar. It's someone that I empower to create. Because how can we say that there's, the world around us isn't created by God? So it's not created in that sense. So there's two ways you can look at what Gajendra is saying here in his prayer to me. One is, he's referring to those people that I empower for creation because mankind looks to the world and he said it had to be made by God. Okay, I accept that through my Brahmas, and the world is destroyed. I accept that through my Shiva. And for maintenance, I maintain that. But it's not that I need any outside influence. So we look at the way, the depth of the verse is one thing that's that's truly wonderful and amazing to us. So Jiva goes on. And then, and then Jiva's also said, well, when we, and when we look at the verse another way, we can see he does accept all these things, but they're part of his own svarup. He accepts them means they're already there in him. So he'll go into that a little bit. Therefore, although these qualities are denied in Vedic statements, such as he is undivided, inert, and peaceful, this is from the Swetis Vatara Upanishad, and he is imperishable, he cannot be perceived by the eyes, ears, or sense of touch, Katha Upanishad, so these are Shrutis, they are accepted in other mantras such as Chandogya Upanishad, he performs all acts, possesses all desires, and has all fragrances and tastes. The compound word guna dosa, this is a word that Kajendra used, literally virtue and defect. In the verse under discussion, means that material virtues, gunas, are considered defects in the transcendental Lord. This implies that conventional defects certainly do not exist in him so jeeva is saying that by the use of this word guna dosha we should understand that if you saw any of these attributes in relationship to the lord then those would be would point point to a defect in your conception of the lord but in re- in regards to material nature it's an it's an asset you need to have a name without a name you can't distinguish one thing from another you need to have a form without forms we couldn't distinguish we couldn't see things without names without forms without action we couldn't we couldn't acquire things we couldn't protect ourselves But if you apply those ideas to the Lord, that's a misconception. The Vedas declare that the Lord has no name, form, or action. But they also state that he performs all actions and has all names and desires. The Vedas are Purisaya. They are not coming from human What human could come up with this idea? These contradictory things applying to the Supreme. Without human origin. Which is to say, they are infallible and therefore cannot be wrong. So these are Vedic statements. They're they're not human statements. So they're not wrong. But they appear to be contradictory. Well, let's understand how this works. How, 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 how are we to look at things like this? Being spiritual students of, of, of Shastra, how do we look at this? Well, let's say that I'm an Italian and I go to Vrindavan and then I return to Italy and I say to you, there was nothing to eat there. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that everybody that lives in Vrindavan starves? No. It means I couldn't get any pasta and wine there. I'm an Italian. I need my pasta, my wine, and my bread. That's a meal. There was nothing to eat there. Let's say that the captain on the ship tells you there is no water. What does he mean? It means you're not, there's no drinking water left. It doesn't mean that you're not sitting in the middle of an ocean surrounded by water. So when we read scripture, you need to have fine discrimination. That's called Sambandagyan. Without it, these contradictory statements, well they're going to end up, you're going to end up in endless arguments that are not going to lead to any fruitful conclusion that you can use for your spiritual advancement. When seen in the proper light, the Vedic scriptures make sense to those acquainted with the exoteric knowledge. They will not see any contradiction Moreover, Bhagavan is uniquely and inherently endowed with mutually contradictory attributes. Gunadosa in the verse implies the Lord has no material attributes. Although a quality may be seen on the material plane as good, they are regarded as defects or impositions from the spiritual standpoint. So we touched upon that, a material quality. You have to have it. You have to have it or it's, you can't have uh, you know, material anything. You need a name, form. You need to be born. If you weren't born, none of, none of this happens. So all these things have to be there for us. It's a good thing. But it's not a good thing if you will try to apply those, that way of thinking to the Supreme Lord. I'll stop there. Thank you so much for your association.